the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Coming up this hour, my friends Aaron Barnett and Hannah Gronowski Barnett are stopping by to talk about marriage, ministry, discipleship, and a lot more. You're listening to The Common Good. to the common good on this beautiful Thursday afternoon. I hope it's a beautiful Thursday. I feel like it's kind of a dreary Thursday right now, but uh, it's beautiful because my friends are here in the <laughs> studio. Some of you know that my co-host Brian Fromm hasn't been here the past couple days, and because of that, I've been able to bring friends in with me. Kevin Sampson, my amazing husband, stopped by yesterday, and today I'm so thrilled because I have two friends in the studio with me. Aaron <laughs> Barnett and Hannah Gronowski Barnett Come are here. On. Hi, let's go, hey, let's go. what's up? We're excited to be here. So geek. So, so geek. fun. I, I wish everyone could see us right now because we're all just like beaming, smiling <laughs> right. at each other because this it's is so, so fun. fun. Hopefully this I brushed so my fun. teeth. <laughs> I, I hope you did too, for Hannah's sake. Right. Yeah, I hope no you kidding. brushed your teeth, Aaron. Hey, well, um, why don't you guys introduce yourselves? Hannah, you can start, and then Aaron, introduce yourselves for our listeners who may not know you. Sure. Yeah. My name is Hannah Grinowski Barnett. Um, Aaron That's and I have been. Last name, that everyone. is. It's still a little bit of mouthful, but it's the best mouthful. Um, we've been married for three and a half weeks now, um, and I have the honor of being the founder and CEO of a nonprofit called Generation Distinct. I'm also an author with a book by the same title, Generation Distinct: Discover the Wrong You Were Born to Make Right. Speaker, podcast host, and little known fact, Aubrey has been discipling me for six years now. That's I so believe crazy. seven, maybe. Yeah. Um, and so basically, if there's anything cool about me, it's probably because Aubrey helped develop it's it. Definitely not true, but I'll take it. You just keep saying that to <laughs> yeah. people. All right, okay, Aaron, who are you? Yeah, Hannah is a powerhouse. Love you so much. Uh, super Aww. thankful for my wife. Uh, but I, I know, yes, I say it again, my wife. <laughs> but my name is Aaron Barnett. I am so passionate about people and helping young leaders go after the calling that God has for them. I'm so passionate about the local church. My wife and I are praying through launching a church one day. And uh, one thing about me is I love discipleship. Mm-hmm. And so I think so often discipleship is overlooked mm. and uh, we need to get back to it as uh, not only a body and a local church, but one-on-one discipleship yeah. and mentorship. And so I'm super passionate about that. And uh, I'm just excited to see what God does through our life. And uh, I'm Aaron Barnett. And so love I love uh, love going after the kingdom of God. Love so. it. Um, Hannah and Aaron, because Kevin and I got to walk with you through a lot of premarital counseling. And like mm-hmm. you said, Hannah, we've walked together for a number of years. Yep. I know that it was important to the two of you to have a relationship from the very beginning that honored God. Yes. And that meant in your dating, that meant even on your wedding day, and of course now in your marriage. And so I would love for you to tell our listeners how you've been intentional about that. Because that doesn't mm-hmm. happen 100%. by accident. Yes. So what have you two done? Maybe just start seasonally, like go dating. Yes. Yeah, um, yeah. Go wedding day and go now that you're you're you know the ripe old age of three and a half weeks. <laughs> yeah, right. right. How, We're pros. Yeah. How yeah. are you seeking to to have a godly relationship? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally. I can uh, go first, and so um, 
personally, I've had relationships that haven't worked out in the past. And so I looked at Hannah on our first date and I said, hey, I want to go the distance with you. Mm -hmm. And Jesus talks about in scripture that with vision um, or without vision, people perish. Yeah. Yeah. And so for me, I was like to go the distance, to actually go the distance, not only in dating, but to get to marriage, to go after the seasons and the uh, the beautiful life that God has for us, we have to actually be super intentional That's right. in what God wants to do through our life. And so we actually crafted a strategy plan uh, with 11 strategies yeah. uh, that talk about uh, what we want to be as a couple. That's right. Um, and so we actually um, use those strategies over and over. We mm-hmm. read them together often. Okay. We actually talk about when we're in specific environments that align with a strategy that we have uh, actually wrote out mm-hmm. that if it's lacking joy in environment or if it's lacking purpose or mm-hmm. drive or intention, uh, we have actually strategies that we've built to actually help the environment to craft an environment to actually yeah. look like Jesus in that's everything good. we do and say. So. That's yeah, really good. That's right. And I was so grateful because um, my story is really different. And I actually just did a podcast about this right before the wedding day because I've never really talked about my dating history publicly before. Yeah. Um, but it's very unique in that Aaron was my first boyfriend ever. And that was an intentional well choice. Done, I know. Well I know. Done. You nailed it. <laughs> and that was an intentional choice. And there's a lot behind the why of that. Um, but a lot of it was I knew what God had called me to. And I felt like he was really asking me to stay focused on that until somebody would come along who would actually make me even more empowered mm. to live out my calling. So good. Um, but because of that, when he sat down with me on our first date and said, hey, our first date is literally like, get out your notes, get out <laughs> a pen. We are building a strategy. I loved it because I mm. felt like there was somebody who was going to take this as seriously as I was. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And 100%. one of the things that we did is we literally crafted it with even beautiful wording so that it would be things that we could look at each other and say, um, you know, like, hey, don't forget that, you know, we are going to be spirit led leaders. Like, you know, don't forget that we are going to be people who, you know, w- one of our ones that is really big for us that we talk about all the time is at the end of our lives, we want to have a room full of people saying they loved people like yeah. Jesus. Yeah, so yeah. good. That's one of our biggest ones. And yeah. we say that all the time to people, you know, when we go in an environment, we'll remind each other first, hey, we want to have a room full of people that say they love people like Jesus. So how are we right. going to love people as we go into this? Yeah. And it gives us a common language. And what I think is really important looking back is that it gave us expectations of who we we're going to right. be first. Okay. So now when that when somebody in our relationship, either Aaron or myself, is not living that way, yeah. we can have yep. a common language to say, hey, we already committed to being people who are learners. Right. We already committed that we were going to be pursuing each other intentionally. We yep. already committed that we were going to yep. walk in environments and be naturally curious about others yep. by making things all about others. Love and that. so it, it created a common language for us that now influences our marriage as well. Yeah. And we walked into it knowing we'd already agreed on who we wanted to be, and now we can just live that out. Right. And I think it's so key to actually fast forward the tape in all relationships. Right. And to rewind the tape to mm. say, like where where are we where could we be and what god what does god want to do through us yeah and i think you have to create a strategy at some point to say like are we just like going through the motions in our relationship yeah. or are we actually building like a life plan to go after yeah. to go after the things of god yeah with? and so that's something that i love about our relationship is just we're just super grounded in that yeah. we just don't sway 
we don't bend the rules. We don't bend on uh, our strategy. So. Yeah. yeah. And and how did you, I mean, just like uh, move the curtain back a little bit. Yeah. How did you even um, come up with the strategy? Yeah. Like you're sitting down at your first date, you've got pens and papers <laughs> yeah. out, but then how do you actually get it from ideation to like, oh, this is our strategy for yeah. our relationship? Yeah, yeah. So what we did is we, we picked specific big words like curiosity or mm-hmm. love or the gospel or um, people. And what yeah. we did is we took all these big words, we put them into an Evernote, which is how we track yeah. information. And uh, we actually combined phrases with these words nice. and actually said, okay, well, we have one about people. We have one about the end of our life. We yeah. have one about curiosity. We have one about intention, intentional living or a gospel centered right. life. Right. And so what we did is we took these big, broad theme words and said, like, how do we craft a, a vision statement for each one of these big, broad words. And so that's right. kind of like where we started with it. So. Yeah. And we each have different strengths, right? And so he's totally a visionary and I love words. And so it was a lot of like him saying, hey, I see this as part of our vision. And then I would kind of craft right. like the wording around love it that. to make it something yep. memorable and beautiful. And it actually ended up taking two coffee dates. Yep. Um, but yeah, we, we started with it really, really broad and kept going down and down and saying, okay, okay, what can this one be engulfed in this one? Yes, that makes sense. Um, Kind of like you would create values for an organization. And that's something we say a lot is why do we as a generation love to build values for organizations and brands and teams and and church service, you know, church services or volunteer organizations but we don't do that for the most important relationship in our life. Mm. Like that, that doesn't yep. make sense to us. And so we wanted to say, yeah, we're going to do this first. Cause this is the most important organization right. in our life that's is the so union good. of our marriage and everything else can flow out of that. Yep. That's so good. Well, that's a Hannah Granowski Barnett. I got, I'm trying to get used to that. New I know. Hannah and Aaron Barnett talking about ways that they have chosen to honor God and really be intentional in their marriage. Stick around. Cause we're going to keep talking with Aaron and Hannah. In fact, I'm going to steal Aaron for a little bit and pick his brain about going after passion and God's calling on our lives. You're listening to The Common Good on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to The Common Good on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. My name is Aubrey Sampson, and my co-host, Brian Fromm, has abandoned me one more day. But because of that, I'm actually really, really grateful because I get to bring in my friends Yesterday, my beautiful, handsome, strong husband, Kevin Sampson, came by to co-host with me. And today, I have brought in two of our really good friends, Aaron Barnett and Hannah Granowski Barnett. And right now, I have the privilege of kind of stealing Aaron away. We sent Hannah away for a little bit because I wanted to talk just to Aaron. So, Aaron, how are you doing today? I'm doing so good. How are you? Good. I'm so glad to have you. This is so fun. I'm going to share some pictures later because you got to see Aaron across the studio from me. He's got his hat on and his uh, headphones on and he just looks good. You look like you're you're made for studio. Thanks. Aaron. Yeah, you got to have me back, maybe. Definitely. Will do for sure. Okay, Aaron, we, you got to introduce yourself a little bit. Um, in our first uh, section talking together. But now I want to hear a little bit more about you. What yeah. are you passionate about? Who is Aaron Barnett? Yeah, I would say I'm so passionate about people. Um, you know, I think earlier in my life, I, I learned early uh, through my dad, actually, that he was so passionate about people. Mm. I actually wrote recently in a Father's Day post about um, this attribute of my dad about how he cares for people. That's and awesome. so I'm super passionate about people super passionate about their purpose and Mm. what they're called to and what God wants to do through their life. 
And uh, I'm also passionate about the local church. And uh, just uh, the next generation is running from it. Yeah. And so I'm super passionate about engaging the next generation in the local church yeah. and what, what God wants to do through their life. That is one thing I love about you and Hannah. And we're going to talk about that here in a little while, that you do have a passion for the next yeah. generation. You do have a passion for the local church. Like Aaron's not just saying that he actually means it. And we're going to talk about what it looks like to pour into the next generation so that they're not leaving the local church and maybe mm. some lessons for local church leaders to get better yeah, yeah. at this. But um, Aaron, because you are passionate about people's passion, um, for our listeners right now who maybe wonder, one, how do I even identify my passion? Like, how do I know what God has called mm. me to do? And then how do I go after it? What would you say to that listener? Wow. Yeah, that's such a great question. It's probably a lot of questions that we ask um, in different seasons of our life. Yeah. Uh, so I'm not that's sure good. where you find yourself today listening. Um, not sure if you're 60 plus, not sure if you're 20 plus or whatever your age bracket is, but I think there's moments of our lives, including myself, where we raise questions on um, where we are going to actually be called to or what God wants to do through us or um, and and trying to discover the actual will of God. And sometimes I think we have to go back to some four things that I would say that I try to anchor myself to. Uh, One, I would say we have to be consistent with Scripture. Mm, That's good. And so, so often I think our lives... um, can um, fluctuate t- yeah. per season, per job, et cetera. Yeah. And so we have to be consistent with Scripture, be kind, compassionate, um, actually take on what Scripture actually tells us to uh, do each and every day. Can I ask you a quick follow-up yeah, question yeah. about that? How do you? Um, how are you consistent with Scripture in your life? Like, what does your Bible study routine look yeah. like? Um, so I actually, uh, one of my good friends, Grant Skeldon, um, he actually has a devotional that we go through through the Bible nice. actually every day. And so we do um, a 90-day devotional plan. So every morning, I actually, my wife and I, every morning we sit at our table um, and actually read the Word and journal and take notes. And so um, my routine right now is every morning, grab some coffee because, you know, I'm a coffee lover. Me too, Aaron. I'm and, drinking uh, it right now. Yeah, I need some myself. But uh, I love coffee and I love God's Word. And so uh, every morning, my wife and I, we uh, break down God's Word and talk about what God is teaching us in the morning. So I right now that. I'm reading through Genesis and Exodus. and right. Um, love that. Okay. So. It's, didn't mean to interrupt you, but no. but people need people need tools. So that's really good. Okay. So what's next? What's number two? Yeah. I would say uh, the, bi- the biggest thing is sometimes we got to confirm with counsel, mm. right? So, so often I think people tell us what we want to hear and not what we need to hear. Oh, it's so true. And so I, I believe that the great leaders in our lives are actually found um, to be something consistent in their life with like mentors, uh, people pouring into them you know, asking them the tough questions, asking them, you know, what God wants to do through their life. What is God speaking to you about? And then actually confirming with counsel. So if we really want to go after God's will in our life, we actually have to confirm it, I believe, with uh, wise counsel Yeah, um, and have them actually uh, take us on a journey. I think so often we are the ticket collector um, (laughs) and we're not the tour guides Mm. of the zoo. Yeah. 
And so I think so often to actually go after what the will of God, we have to have people in our lives that are going to take us on a journey, That's ask so us good. the tough questions, yeah. ask us the deep questions to yeah. actually provide wisdom, not just advice. Yeah, so. I think that's so wise, especially in this culture, because we tend to be individualistic and we tend to go, well, God has told me this. So right. therefore it is true. 100%. And to have wise counselors in your life that can say, hey, let's consider this from a different perspective. Let's let's actually affirm if God is yeah. saying this to you. We have a communal God. We have a communal Christianity. And yeah. so it's so important to to follow God's calling on your life with the affirmation of wise people around yeah, you. Yeah. It's really good, Aaron. Okay, what's next? Yeah, number so three. Number three, I would say, is uh, inner peace with uh, outside conflict. Hmm. And so the world may be screaming conflict or struggle or trial or testing or unsure yeah. if we're unsure. Especially this past 16 months, we've yeah, got to walk through that. Yeah, 100%. And so I think when we really know God, when we're really actually pursuing Him, when we're developing a relationship with Him, God gives us this inner peace that that uh, we fully know that God delivers that to us. And so when the world is screaming chaos or I'm unsure about this, God actually delivers this inner peace mm. on what he wants us to pursue. So and so good. when we can develop that inner peace, and that can only... I b- believe come when we actually know God that's when right. we're pursuing him. So that's right. That's good. Okay. And did you have one more or was yeah. that four? Okay. I was just going to say, know God and make there him known. Yeah. When you know God and make him known, your world gets beautiful. It gets larger and uh, you actually walk hand in hand with what he has. for you. I love so. that. Okay. So be in God's word consistently, yeah. have a uh, good counsel and mentors yeah, around yeah. you, inner peace that comes from the Holy spirit and then know God. So part of knowing God means pursuing God. Yeah. And that is kind of wrapped up in all the things yeah. you said. That's so good, Aaron. So for those of you who are wondering like, what has God called me to do? How do I know what God's calling is? Aaron has just given you some really great practical handholds for that. Okay, Aaron, I want to transition a little bit because yeah. you posted something on social media that I thought was really interesting. It's picture of you and a couple buddies, which by the way, I don't know if you know this, randomly I ended up with one of your friends, Mike Mims, at an event this week and we got to hang out really late and talk. Yeah, he's great. If you don't know Michael Mims, you should find and follow him on social media. Or TikTok. Or TikTok. Oh yeah, he's a big TikTok guy. I always forget that about him. Okay. Um, So you posted this. Are you the friend your friends are looking for? And I would love to know, Aaron, what inspired you to write that? And what do you mean? Like, what were you hoping to to kind of inspire in people? Yeah, because I think... um, John Maxwell wrote this book, Great Leaders Ask Great Questions or something like that. Yeah. And I read that book this one time. And so often I think we can actually uh, live the life that God actually wants us to. And our world will actually get larger when we actually ask great questions. Good. And sometimes the questions that we ask need to be a question directly uh, to us ourselves, mm. like uh, holding a mirror. Am I a friend that my friends are looking for? Mm. Because so often, I think in this world, we are striving for connection, authenticity, transparency, vulnerability, and relationships. But the friends that we sometimes surround ourselves with are not stretching us. They're not molding us. They're not shaping us. They're not shooting us after purpose. And what I love actually about Michael Mims, just to honor him in a minute, uh, for a minute, is he's a guy that stretches me in evangelism. Mm. And what I mean by that is that... um, I, I thought there's no there's no strangers in life and everyone is a friend, but Mims even stretches me even greater in that area. Hmm. That we when we hang in out, um, that guy will continually like uh, stop to pause to put everything on hold for people. That's awesome. And so I think when we are asking the great questions, are you the friend that your friends are looking for? 
you have to discover what that is like by the values that you hold, the beliefs that you hold, the faith that you hold. Because when you are aligned with your friends and your community on the things of Jesus, the values, the beliefs and the faith that you hold, I believe great, uh, great relationships can catalyze you in the purpose that God has for you, not only in the day to day, in your workplace and building a building a world that actually looks a lot like Jesus and his yeah. kingdom on earth. So oh, it's so good, Aaron. So encouraging. Okay. With the last 30 seconds that we have yeah. here for anyone who's listening right now and just needs a word of encouragement, maybe to like ignite their passion yeah. today, what would you say to them? I would say buckle up because God wants to do uh, immeasurably more than you ask, think or imagine in your life. And so I would say, keep going after God. Don't let the people around you criticize you for what you believe in, what you're passionate about. Uh, No matter what your age is, no matter um, what you may be doing, there's purpose each and every day uh, in your life. And if you have a pulse, you have a purpose. So keep going after what God has for you. And don't let anyone tell you that you're not good enough, that you're not wise enough, that you're not strong Mm. enough, that you're not confident enough because you are. And uh, you're a son and daughter of the Most High. And so he's going to equip you for anything that God wants to do through you. Amen. So So good. Thanks so much, Aaron. Well, stick around. We're going to be talking with Aaron and Hannah a little bit more about the church and Gen Z and how we can reach Gen Z a little bit better than we are right now. You're listening to The Common Good on AM 1160. Hope for your life. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to The Common Good. I'm Aubrey Sampson, and my co-host Brian Fromm is out today. But because of that, I get to bring in some of my amazing friends. Aaron Barnett and Hannah Gronowski-Barnett have joined us today. And if you've missed any of our conversations so far, I don't know why you have, but you can go back and you can listen on the podcast, wherever you get your podcast, or you can go to 1160hope.com and catch up on any episodes. You are not going to want to miss any of my conversation with Hannah and Aaron today. Hannah and Aaron, thanks for being here. Yeah. We're so excited. Thanks this for is having fun. us. You can also so find and follow us on at Common Good Talk on all the socials. So, <laughs> um, you guys are passionate about the church. We yeah. are. You're passionate about Gen Z. Yeah. yeah. No, you're not Gen Z though. No, right. we're yeah. not. Yeah, you guys are both millennials, right? Yep. Correct. Okay. I'm on the Correct. very youngest side of millennials. Okay. Yep. Okay. Someone said recently, I was listening to an article that said I was a millennial, and I was like, I'm not. I like hearing that, but it's actually not true. Um, So because you're passionate about Gen Z, I actually thought this would be interesting. Carrie Newhoff, who's a very well-known pastor, author, speaker, podcaster, etc., um, one of his team members, who is Gen Z member, um, a guy named Dylan Smith, wrote an article about seven habits of Generation Z that churches might be ignoring. Mm. And because you both are pouring into Gen Z, I thought I would just read to you these seven habits and then have you respond. What do you Come think on. about this? And do you think, I guess, uh, what can the church do about this? I Maybe love that's it. That's ultimately the yeah, conversation. Yeah. Yeah. You feel Let's ready? Do it. Let's do it. Let's do it. All right, here's the first one. Seven habits of Gen Z that your church might be ignoring. Number one. I watch who I want, when I want. The internet has given me the freedom to watch exactly who I want, when I want. So the only reason my friends and I are watching your church online is either because our parents are making us or (laughs) because we deeply care about what you have to say. Mm. There are just too many other appealing ways to pass the time for us to waste our time on something that isn't helpful or fun to watch. So what does this mean for teaching pastors or service programming directors? Aaron, any thoughts about that? Yeah, this is so good. I resonate a thousand Mm -hmm. percent with this. This is spot on. Okay. And so we have to actually, um, I think, be humble leaders that say, well, if this is a something that the next gen is partaking in or how their worldview is kind of um, uh, how they see, yeah. or we have to actually be leaders that actually 
um, are more flexible in our organizations and in our churches and in our nonprofits to mm. reach people. Otherwise, we will continually see Gen Z walking away from the mm. church. Right. And so with this uh, narrative taking place with Gen Z watching who they want, when they want, yeah. we have to understand that this goes back to mm-hmm. discipleship, that we have to go and disciple young people to yeah. say, what are you watching? Why are you watching it? Mm. And how is that creating a more beautiful world that looks That's like Jesus? so good. Actually, Gen Z is asking a question is, what is beautiful? Yes. And so mm. often the content that they're watching and so often the content which you stated, yeah. right. they partake in, they think is beautiful to them. Right. Okay. They're going to look for what's beautiful. Right. Okay. Yeah. And so we have to actually just take note of that, I yeah. think, as believers. So. Okay, yeah. that's really good. Okay, yeah. here's the next one. If you want me to follow you for a long time, I need to get to know you. Yes. Our mm. spirituality is one of the most sacred and private things we have. If you want Gen Z to trust you with our time and our subscription, we need to trust you. Yeah, this is why, honestly, the celebrity pastor fad is not interesting to Gen yeah, Z. Yeah. Gen Z is over it. To the point where we'll have Gen Zers that'll come up to us and say, we don't even like that our pastor goes in the green room in between services, Mm -hmm. even though we all know why they do it. We've all done it as speakers is we need some time. We need to get some water or granola (laughs) bar. But for them, they will immediately distrust anybody who doesn't go out and intentionally make themselves available to people. So I would say to pastors... I get it as a speaker. I need some time sometimes to step away from everybody. But as best as you can, prepare yourself to go out there and be so available. Sit in the back of the room. Gen Z wants to see how normal you're willing to be Mm. because they've seen so many Christian pastors be so different and they've seen them fall and they're over it. And so Mm. how normal can you show that you are? Yeah, I've I've seen multiple Gen Zers actually – or talk to me about that. Why would we bring our friends to church yeah. when I don't even know my youth pastor? Right. Wow. Right. And so like uh, back to that whole thing of trust, I think it goes back to Hannah's point as well, that Gen Z is not going to bring their friends to an event based ministry. Right. If they can't actually trust their, their own leader that's, that's telling good. them to bring their friends. Yeah. Right. And they won't trust them until they know them. Yeah. yeah. Okay. That, that actually feels very healthy to it me. Does. Yeah. It feels like it the does. So healthy. That's what things it's should be. It's a positive return. Yeah. 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 I like that. Okay. Yeah. Uh, here's another one. Diversity isn't optional. This mm-hmm. says here, a couple of years ago, Greg Atkinson told me that if you want to reach the next generation, having a device, diverse church isn't optional. He's right. What do you say about that, Hannah? I've heard it say that um, Gen Z is the first generation that will walk in a room and they will actually notice if it's not diverse <laughs> yep. because diversity is so normal for them. Yeah. Yep. yeah. So what breaks my heart is that pastors don't seem to understand sometimes that if they walk in your church, they will feel uncomfortable if it's not diverse. Yeah. So if you want to reach the next generation, like he said, it's not optional because every other place in their life, the the TV shows they watch, mm. the yep. the you know schools that they're attending, the restaurants that they walk into, it's all diverse, yeah. and that's normal and beautiful to them. Yeah. And then you you put on top of it that some churches don't even want to talk about the diversity issue. And they're I mean, I was just having coffee with a Gen Zer recently who literally after this past year of seeing her local church not address what happened last summer, the conversations around race last summer. Yeah, exactly. Racism, racial bias and just what was all over the news. She saw it everywhere, but then she went in on Sunday and there was not even a mention. And she just she couldn't reconcile it. To the point where now she's 
she's saying, I'm struggling to follow Jesus because of it. Mm. So if that's not in of wow. itself, like a, a, a reason to talk about yeah. it is you're going to lose the next generation if you're not talking yeah. about it and if your church isn't there. Right. Yeah, that's yeah. good. That's good. Um, so b- good. By the way, this is just a reminder to grab the podcast if you can. Yesterday we brought in, of course, my husband, Kevin Sampson, and our executive pastor, Daniel Saez from Ecuador, talking about the value, the biblical mandate, and mm. the, the excitement around the multi-ethnic church. And this is so part good. of that conversation. Mm. So good. All right. I'll throw this one your way, Aaron. Yeah. My mental health issues aren't going away. One mm. of the biggest issues facing the next generation is a sharp decline in mental health. Here's the strange part. We're fully aware of the mental health crisis and what's causing it, but our phones are too good to give up. <laughs> the rewards of the internet outweigh the risk for us. So how can you help? How can the church help? This is interesting to me that they, this automatically assumes phones and mental health. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. interesting. Yeah. Tell me what you think about that. Yeah, I just think that the next generation is spending a lot more time on the phone. Yeah. It's right. just a reality. Yeah, and that's and, not changing. Right, yeah. Yeah. right. But how it can change in a beautiful way is when we actually use the phrase, what we speak, we see. Hmm. And what I mean by that is so often the next generation is not getting called out for who they are. Hmm. That if we actually want to um, believe and empower the next generation back to the church, we have to call out and be very hyper specific with our time and the words that we use to speak into the lives of the next generation. Interesting. Hmm. We don't need to have another church service. Mm. We need leaders to look at young kids and call them leaders. Mm. Yeah. We need leaders to look at young kids and say they have a purpose for their life. Yeah. We need leaders to look at kids and say your life is beautiful even in the chaos. Amen. You are a son and daughter of the Most High. Amen. And that's how we're going to bridge this gap between a social media generation yeah. and a generation that needs to get parented yeah. not only by their wow. father in heaven but by just their friends right wow. right right so good. so good Aaron that's such a good word for that's such a good word for all Christians to be naming right. others well and calling prophetically things out of them but yes. then specifically for church leaders if they really want to make an actual authentic impact that's such a good practical word for us okay wow. uh, there's time for one more Hannah you ready for this one yes when I talk to my non-Christian friends about church I use usually need to lead with an apology yeah mm-hmm. that's true i mean th- there's so, so many you have st- to sort of laugh about that yeah. you have to yeah. because it's just too sad but there's just so many statistics that say you know I-, I was just reading a few from barna that literally say the church is now known for being hypocritical mm. judgmental and actually known for moral failures that's that's the reputation of the church now yeah and so we can't just keep wishing that that wasn't the reality that's just the reality yeah and so i believe that if churches actually want to overcome that they have to acknowledge that's the reputation and they have to acknowledge that's now a part Hmm. of american church history right period we went through a season especially for millennials when the american church became judgmental and, and maybe it's been like that for longer, but that's what I know, judgmental, hypocritical, and that it's it's not a safe place where you can trust your leaders mm. anymore. So talk about that. That's good. And talk about why and how you're choosing to build a church that's different. Yeah, that's so good. Well, that was a really, really incredible conversation with Aaron and Hannah. And stick around because they're going to come back. We're going to talk about the power of social media and discipleship and how they use social media in really meaningful and positive ways. You're listening to The Common Good on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. 
Hey, welcome back to The Common Good on this Thursday afternoon. If you've missed any of the show, you can find us on our podcast or you can go to 1160hope.com and catch any of our previous conversation with my friends, Hannah Granowski Barnett and Aaron Barnett, who are joining me because my co-host Brian is out for the day and he has abandoned me. I feel really bad about that, but it's actually made it wonderful because I've gotten to bring some amazing guests in this week. I've gotten to bring my husband, Kevin, our executive pastor, Daniel Sayas, and now the newlyweds, Aaron and Hannah. (laughs) And listeners, you might not know this, but Kevin and I got to do Hannah and Aaron's wedding. Well, their premarital counseling and their wedding. And it was such a beautiful day, you guys. It was such a special anointed day. God was glorified, and this couple is the real deal, you guys. Mm. Uh, by the way, before we jump into this, how can our listeners find and follow you? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm most active on Instagram, Hannah.Gronowski. You can also just search my name. You might want to um, spell Gronowski for yes, the listeners. It's so fun. G-R-O-N-O-W-S-K-I. They can find me on there. Mm. Um, or Generation Distinct is my nonprofit. You can follow us on social or go to GenerationDistinct.com. Yeah, and I'm pretty active on uh, social, um, on Instagram, Aaron R. Barnett underscore. Uh, find and uh, follow me, and uh, maybe we can shoot the breeze over DMs. <laughs> so this is actually why I wanted to talk to you guys specifically about social media, because listeners, you'll like this. So Kevin and I are at uh, their wedding, and all of a sudden... I'm noticing that there are groups of people coming up to Hannah and Aaron going, oh, we're finally meeting in real life. This is amazing. Yeah. There yeah. are actually people coming to their wedding who Hannah and Aaron have never met before, but have built relationships with through social media, have That's even right. discipled through social media. Yeah. And so often in this day and age, all we're seeing is articles about how negative social media yes. is. Mm. And so many people are choosing yep. to step away from social media because they feel like it's robbing them of their souls. And there's some truth to that. Like, yeah, I think we have sure. to be aware of that. But what I appreciate is the two of you are using social media in very intentional ways for yeah. the kingdom. And so this is kind of an open-ended question, but I would love to know how you do that. What are you doing? Yeah. Why are strangers coming to your <laughs> wedding? Wow. It was amazing. And the cool thing, too, is, I mean, at least two of my bridesmaids, for sure some of Aaron's groomsmen, we know them from social media. Now, they are people that we actually have ended up doing life with, but our first connect was on social media. And I think, again, in every part of life, what you bring to something, you get out of it, right? Mm -hmm. And for us with social media, yes, there's a lot of negative things. However, there's also a lot of people trying to bring goodness and beauty to the world. And for us as individuals and as leaders, um, it, it has been really cool that social media connects us with people who have similar heartbeats as yeah. us, who we would never encounter in normal life mm. uh, because they live states away or sometimes on the other side of the world. Yeah. But it gives us the opportunity to connect. And Aaron and I have had seasons of our life where we've tried to discern, okay, what are the kinds of friends we want to have in our life, right? Yeah. Who who do we really want to surround ourselves yeah. with? And one thing that a mentor of mine, Ashley Island, said, oh, she's a friend of ours. Ashley we Island. love yep. her. One thing that she said, we were out to dinner, Aaron and I, with her and her husband, Delwyn, and we were talking about friendship. Mm. And they said, you know, yep. one thing we've learned as so we have, are we as we gain more leadership, we, we are more specific on who our friends yeah. are. Yeah. And they said, and most of our friends don't live near us. Hmm. And I thought that was such an interesting thing to say. And and she went on to explain, 
Because when you're leading at a certain capacity or with a certain vision, God doesn't put all of you in the same place in the, in the country. Yeah. Like God spreads yeah. you out to go sense. out and bring that vision to other places. And then you end up becoming friends because you're so similar. Yeah. For a lot of our bridal party that yeah. most of them don't live near here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We feel like God has each given us this very unique, similar vision, which you probably felt at the wedding. There was so much unity around like this desire to see the next generation experience the beauty and the excitement of who Jesus really is. And there's this inner bond. And the bond is actually forged because we were on mission together. But in our different cities, right? Yeah. Like my friend Allie is on a mission in Arizona. My yep. friend Shayla is on a mission in California. Like, yeah. right? So we're we're all spread out. And so social media for us, we see it as an opportunity to connect with people who are passionate about the same things that we are passionate Good. about. Yep. Uh, but it takes intentionality to eventually move it off social media and onto FaceTime, Into real calls, life, yeah. and then real yeah. life. Yes, yes. That embodied relationship, exactly. not just a digital yeah, yeah. one. Yeah. Right? You can't keep it there. What do you think, Aaron? Yeah, I just think your desires define your relationship. Mm. And so to have really uh, good connections with people, it's built on like uh, this almost common desire. Yes. Um, And I mean, you were at our wedding. um, And so from the narrative that I've been hearing and the whispers about our wedding is that our wedding was a place of like holiness. Yeah. And it was a yeah. place to actually like that God's kingdom was getting manifested right. during our ceremony. Yeah. yeah. Um, and during the whole weekend. Yeah. And so often our lives, Hannah and I, want to be defined by the right, right desires to mm-hmm. see God's kingdom right. uh, manifest itself. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Not only in our marriage, in our relationships, but also through social media. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. that our relationships are built on this common desire to know God right. and to really make him known. Yeah. And we we want to have relationships and we're building relationships around our life that are right. saying, hey, we want the same thing. Yeah. Right. And God is speaking to us about yeah. this, about the local church in this yes. way. Yeah. Right. And so we're finding those people on social media yeah. that are, yes, states away. Yeah. But we have this common desire in our relationships yeah. that are going after God and going to make him known. Right. Yeah. So. yeah. That's, good. So, that's so good, you guys. And I would affirm that, that it, uh, at your wedding, it felt like uh not just a wedding party, but a community. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. it, there was something you could tell the intentionality you two have put into your online relationships <laughs> have, have played out in real life. Mm-hmm. So for the listener who, um, uh, you know, maybe is has their phone <laughs> in front of them and is asking themselves, okay, how do I post in a way that honors God? Or yes. when is it time to step away from the phone? Or how can I do it? Anna and Heron are talking. Anna and Heron. <laughs> that's her name. <laughs> Hannah and Aaron are talking about um, what just practical advice would yes. you give that person? Yeah, I would say we from the very beginning of our relationship, even we talked a lot about how we were going to post on social media um, because separately when we were single, we took a lot of intentionality to post and, and what we were going to going to post and not post, mm-hmm. meaning we view social media as an opportunity. And, and I often compare it with the story of Esther, that when Esther had an issue in the world that she saw her people were about to be annihilated. Yeah. She looked around at what she had available to her. And for her, it was it was kind of cool. She had an audience with the king. Right. Like right. she had a crown. Right. Like that's kind of fun. Yeah. But for us, we have a phone, mm-hmm. right? Like we have social media, right. we have an Instagram platform, and it's not like we have a million followers. We right. don't even have that many. Right. But how are we stewarding every part of our lives 
to communicate a message, which means we try really, really hard to not get out, off focus in our social media, to not post too much about things that don't matter. And really, not that we're not going to talk about our lives. Of course. But like for me, personal conviction, this is only personal conviction. For me, I don't feel called to get on there and like talk about my makeup routine. Yeah. Which is awesome for other people. Yes. For me and for Aaron, we feel really, really called to say we're going to communicate one central mission. And this is about Jesus, justice and the future of the church. Mm. Therefore, the people we want to connect with are also attracted to that kind of content, right? Right. right? That makes sense. And so that that's a pretty practical thing is just think strategically, who do you want to attract, mm. right? And who do you want to be seen as and be so intentional with every yeah, piece yeah. of content because I think intentionality is so what good. sets apart leaders from yeah. followers. Really yeah. good. Aaron, you have anything to add to that? Yeah, I just I'm huge and uh does your public platform Yes. Is a result of your private life. That's so That is the good. question of the age. Aaron. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And so Say that we, one more time. It is the public is your public life a direct reflection of your private life. So good. good. And what I mean by that is there's so often that people want to be portrayed mm-hmm. as authentic yeah. humans. Yeah. But are inauthentic, yeah. right? With just the their circle, right? Or their small groups, yeah. right? Or their friend down the street, or a stranger they've never even met. Yes. yes. And so we have to be people, especially the next generation is seeking authenticity like yeah. never before. Yeah. Yep. And so if our public life is different than yeah. our private life, <laughs> yeah. And the private whispers of people are yeah. saying they're not really the same uh, publicly That's that so they good. are privately. The next generation are saying, well, I can't really trust you. Right. And so we when it comes down to posting content, I used to post all the time, but now I don't post that much because I want to post the authentic, transparent, vulnerable side of Aaron. That's good. Because when I'm weak, he is strong. Yeah. And God does cover you and he goes before you and he's also your defender. And so no matter who we are as people, we have to know that we have to anchor ourselves in truth before yeah. we post. We have to not be emotionally like uh, <laughs> roller coasters before yeah, we post. So good. Yeah. And we have to know that is what we po- are, what we're posting. Is it glorifying God and is it making his, his name great? Come on. And if it's not, we just have to have people in our lives that are saying, Hey, is that, is that something that we should be posting? Yeah. Hey, is that right. something that I'm posting out of like a, a poor spirit or yes. a hurtful heart? Yeah. Um, yes. Because we have to remember that our public lives have to match up to our private I lives. I love it. That's Such so good. a good word from Hannah Granowski Barnett and Aaron <laughs> Barnett. Thank you guys so much. This has been an incredible conversation. So unfortunately, Aaron has to head out. But the best part about that is I get to sit with Anna. <laughs> Hannah, what is happening to me today? Hannah, for another hour. So be sure to stick around as we continue talking with Hannah about Generation Distinct, about mentorship, and about the future of the church, and about being a woman in leadership. That's going to be a fun on. one. Come on. You've been listening to The Common Good on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. Coming up this hour, we're talking about ministering to the next generation, mentorship, and being a woman in ministry leadership. You're listening to The Common Good. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to The Common Good on this Thursday afternoon. 
afternoon, and my name is Aubrey Sampson. My co-host Brian Fromm is out for the day, but I have gotten to have some incredible conversations this week. Yesterday, my husband Kevin Sampson popped by. Today, I've had the privilege of sitting down with very good friends, someone I have mentored for a long time, Miss Hannah Gronowski Barnett and her husband, Aaron Barnett. Aaron had to step out, so now I get Hannah all to myself. <laughs> and it. Hannah and I have spent a lot of time just over coffee tables talking about life. And so yep. this just feels like an extension of what we already it does. do. It yeah. does. Usually like at your kitchen table, even while the boys are running around. Yes. And... I'm typically in my pajamas. <laughs> Hannah's usually dressed up, oh and I'm God. just like, hey, here I am. I'm barely awake right now. <laughs> No, it. it's good. It's it feels so, so good. welcoming. That's right. It's so it's so real. It is. So, um, Hannah, for our listeners who may have missed the first hour with yes. you and your hubby, can you just introduce yourself to us? Absolutely. Yes. So my name is Hannah, and I have the honor of being the founder and CEO of a nonprofit called Generation Distinct. And really what we do is we empower next generation leaders to discover the wrong they were born to make rights, but it's in a way that leads them back to who Jesus really is. So mm-hmm. that's what I get to do with a lot of my life. I also am an author and speaker and podcast host, and now I'm a new wife, and I'm a passionate, Love passionate it. believer for always and ever, that Chicago is the best city in the world. Oh, all of our <laughs> Chicagoans love hearing that. Yeah, I'm they? on a mission to spread it all over the world. Chicago is an incredible city. All right, so I want to pick your brain about Generation Distinct for yeah. our listeners who may not know much about it. Can you tell me, um, uh, let's go, let's kind of go all the way back. Right. Why did you start Generation Distinct? How did it even begin? Yes, so when I was 16, I had been following Jesus um, for a little bit. And have the unfair advantage of having so many people in my life who gave me a great picture of what it meant to follow mm. Jesus. And again, I say that's an advantage, unfair, because I know that's not many people. Not everybody experience. has that. Yeah. Yes. So at 16, I knew I wanted to follow Jesus. It was exciting. It felt like an adventure. I knew there was a mission that I wanted to be a part of. Yeah. But I wanted the next level. And so I started praying and saying, God, okay, here's my life. I want to do whatever it is that you want me to do. Yeah. And let's do this thing. And I was really passionate about injustice. Um, I had gone to a church and been raised in a family that exposed me to a lot of the realities of injustice that I would actually know how the world really is for people Mm -hmm. outside of my own context. Yeah, that's good. And so I knew there was issues. I knew there was injustice. I wanted to do something about it. Yeah. And so I started to just pray and say, God, what injustice do you want me to do? Like, what do you want me to tackle? How can I start something? What can I, what can I change in this world? And after months of prayer, after months of asking God, after months of seeking out wise counsel and trying to figure it out, I felt really frustrated because months and months for a 16 year old is a long time, right? <laughs> and so I was like so, so discouraged. True. But anyway, it cultivated one day or it culminated one day when I was sitting on the couch, you know, in my parents' home as a 16 year old. I got this book that I had found that was supposed to present a lot of the major injustices in the world in hopes of helping next-gen leaders figure out which one they're passionate about. Yeah. So I thought, awesome, this is going to be easy. I'll read this book. I'll figure out my passion. I'll go change the world tomorrow. Like, this is going to be so done, simple. Done, and done. Right, exactly. So anyway, of course, I read the book, and there's a chapter about homelessness across America, mm. and I think, yes, this is my passion. I'm going to go save all the homeless people, right? Mm. And then I flip the page and there's a chapter about orphans across the globe. And I think, oh, no, no, never mind. I'm going to go move <laughs> now to it's Africa orphans. and now I'm going to change the <laughs> yeah. world for orphans. 
And so that just kept happening over and over. Human trafficking, like all these injustices. Yeah. I kept thinking that was the one. And then I got to the end of the book and felt way more discouraged when I than mm. I was when I started because I thought, God, I don't understand. What are you trying to tell me? I care about all these injustices. Yeah. I want to do something about this. What are you trying to tell me? And that was the first moment I really felt like God gave me this vision. And it I don't want to over-spiritualize it. I didn't hear a voice. There yeah. was no writing on the wall. It was this, this deep impression in my soul that I could only attribute to God because it wasn't for me. Mm. And I felt that he was saying to me, Hannah, you're not called to solve all the injustice in this world. Yeah. Instead, I want to use you to empower a generation to solve injustice in this world. Wow. In so doing, you'll have a greater impact. Wow. And so I thought, okay, let's do it. Let's so go. I ran up to my little bedroom at the time. I had a whiteboard in there. And I started drawing out all these ideas and plans. Mm. And and the original vision truly was to equip my peers to figure out what they were passionate about, but not stop there. Actually help them develop a plan to walk out that passion yeah. so we would actually see the injustice defeated and that, that truth would prevail. And so that was the original vision. Okay. And then I kind of put Love on the that. shelf thinking, all right, at one point this is going to happen. I'm 16. I'm not sure what to do with this. Yeah. Right. Fast forward until I was 20, I was working full-time at a local church, and I knew this was still going to be a part of my life at some point. Yeah. Um, but because I was at a, at a local church, I saw a lot of my peers starting to walk away from the church, mm. right? Like, I was witnessing it firsthand. Yeah. And again, for me, I'd always experienced this adventure, this excitement of following Jesus, and so I was confused a little bit. Yeah. And as I asked questions, I realized that the narrative so often was that they were walking away from the church because they wanted to pursue things like passion and justice and purpose. And they weren't finding that in the broad American gotcha. church. Gotcha. It wasn't just my local church. It was just the, the church experience in general. Yeah. And I started to ask some questions and I wondered, man, we know there's a generation that's passionate about justice and passion and purpose. Mm. And I know a Jesus who actually created justice and passion and purpose. Amen. And so what if we could use those kinds of conversations as an evangelistic tool to bring our generation back to who Jesus really is? So and good. that was kind of the birth of Generation Sing and it. the purpose behind it. Oh, it's so good, Hannah. It's it's just inspiring to hear, I mean, one, God speaking to you in your in your kind of heart's cry mm -hmm. and then um, then you going for it. Yeah. That's that's what I love about yeah. having watched this journey <laughs> kind of from afar. OK, right. so let's dig into Generation Distinct. So yes. now you've launched Generation Distinct. Yes. What is it that you do and yes. how can people get involved? Yes. So really what we do is we have a six month online program okay. that is targeted towards young leaders. 18 to 30 year olds is who we target. And what it does is it walks young leaders through a process to go from being aware of injustice, educated around 12 of the most prevalent injustices. Hmm. Then they go into a course where they get to identify their unique passion. Awesome. And then they go even deeper and then they get to be trained on that passion. Love that. We've created five tracks with the collaboration of over 40 experts from around the globe who helped us build this. We took two years to actually build this program awesome. um, behind the scenes. And so we have an evangelism track, an entrepreneurship track, a mentorship track, an activist track, and a visionary track. And so then they're going deep. They're being trained. The entrepreneurs are creating business plans. The mentors are, are really deciding, okay, who are the people I'm going to start mentoring? And here's my game plan for them, right? Like they're going in 
And we've created a workbook that they'll get in the mail if they go so through this good. program. It's beautiful. And they are writing out their strategy. They are creating smart goals. They have you know, one month, three months, six months, one year goals for their passion. And by the end of the six month, they are now aware of the injustice in the world. Yeah. They know their passion. They've been trained on their passion and they have a physical world change strategy in their hands for how they are uniquely born to change. So the world. fantastic. So we have cohorts that launch through just our website on the okay. first Monday of every other month. But then we also are now this summer launching our church and university partnership model <gasps> where we start cohorts in churches and universities around the country. And uh, it's about to, about to get exciting, big this fall. So Hannah. it's exciting. Okay, so how can people find out more about Generation Distinct? Yep, they can go to generationdistinct.com. All the information is there. They can also follow along on social media or listen to the podcast, which is the Generation Distinct podcast. Hannah, this has been so incredible. You're going to stick around. We're going to talk more about Generation Distinct, more about mentorship, more about uh, being a woman in ministry, and we're going to have a lot of fun. So be sure to come back as Hannah and I continue this conversation. You're listening to The Common Good on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to The Common Good. My name is Aubrey Sampson, and my co-host Brian Fromm has been gone for the past couple days. He's coming back tomorrow. We have a great show planned for you tomorrow. Be sure to join us from 4 to 6 p.m. on 1160, Hope for Your Life, AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. If you miss any of any of our episodes, I don't know why you would, but you can <laughs> find those on the website, 1160hope.com, or on our podcast, The Common Good. You can just yell at Alexa and say, play The Common Good, <laughs> and she'll play it for you. And that voice you're hearing right now, that little giggle, that <laughs> laughter, is my very good friend, Hannah Granowski Barnett, who has joined me as my co-host today. Uh, her husband, Aaron, her new husband, Aaron, I mean, brand new. They are newlyweds, <laughs> y'all. He was with us for the first hour. Now, Hannah and I are just chatting about life and mission and her ministry, Generation Distinct, and lots of other good things. So we are so glad that you're here with us on this Thursday afternoon. Hannah, one of the things you mentioned when we were um, talking previously was about mentorship being yes. a part of what you do at Generation Distinct. Yes. And I've gotten the privilege of being one of your mentors. I know you've had lots of mentors in your life. So I think it might be nice for our listeners to hear from you the value of mentorship. Yes. Um, and then uh, two perspectives, how they go get a mentor yes. if they want one. And then on the other side is how do you begin mentoring someone? Um, because I think God has called all of us to that. Amen. Amen. I'm so passionate about this. And, and Aubrey always downplays it, but she has been probably the most influential mentor that I've had in my life. I mean, so consistent. I mean, who mentors somebody for over six years anymore? Like that's so valuable. And I'm, I'm so grateful again. She will always downplay it, but she's had a huge impact in my life and my story. Um, But yeah, what I, what I think we miss so often in the mentorship discipleship conversation is that this is not an option. Mm. And, And I hate to even say it, but that can sound harsh, but in the book that I had the opportunity to write, Generation Distinct, Discover the Wrong You Were Born to Make Right, I have a section called Live Distinct where I talk about these four pillars of a life that matters. And one of the pillars is who are you learning from and who are you investing in? So okay. those are two of the pillars, right? And we have to have both. It's, it's not an option because the last thing Jesus said when he went back up to earth was not go out and 
build really big church buildings. Mm. He didn't say, hey, go out and try and get as many speaking opportunities as possible. Yeah. He didn't say, hey, go out and start a podcast. Yeah. He said, go out and make disciples of all nations. That's right. Right? And That's so right. we just can't outsource this. That's something I talk about in the book is this is one part of our lives we can't automate. We can't outsource. Mm. We can't like really try and, and have our assistant do it for us. This is something that requires nothing more than our time. So good. And that's the biggest sacrifice we can make as humans today, right? Is this idea of giving our time away. When I was 17, I started going to an amazing local church called Mission Church. Love our, Mission yes, Church. Yes, we love Mission Church. Um, John Peacock and Tommy Bowman were leading it. And I walked in and I had never been so known at a church before. I grew up at a mega church that I loved. But walking in, I was seen and known. Mm. And John Peacock and Tommy Bowman have had a huge impact in my life. Um, but I remember where I was on a Wednesday night. We were like having this midweek gathering. And Tommy Bowman got up and said, everybody should be investing and discipling three people. Hmm. And if we all do that, we will see a movement take place. Wow. And again, I was 17. I was the only high schooler in the room, right? My parents would always drag me to the adult things because they wanted to challenge me, which I love about my parents. Love that. And I sat there and I thought, okay, I'm a very logical thinker. So when somebody tells me this is what we do, I just generally start doing it. You're like, okay, I yeah, will do that. Right. Okay, that must mean me. And so I literally, I wrote down three names of middle schoolers in my church. And I thought, oh, great. I'll, I'll start mentoring them. Yeah. And and Tommy explained it so well. He said, all it is, is you say, come follow me. That's it. Come follow me, hang yeah. out with me, and let's just have a relationship. Yeah. I emailed their parents of these girls because they were so young. I was like, I can't just like awkwardly right, right. pick up these girls wise. for coffee. That's wise. I emailed the parents and I met with the girls for coffee at Starbucks. Mm. And I would just open my Bible with them. Love it. I would just talk about Jesus with them. Yeah. But more often than not, it would be, hey, I am you know, hanging out at a forest preserve this Saturday. Y'all want to come and yeah. we can all go yeah. for a walk together, yeah. right? Like it was a very much of a, let's just come into my life. As I grew older and I started to have more leadership opportunities, you know, there'd be moments where I had a generation to sync video shoot and I would invite one of my girls to come and just yeah. see the way I live my life, yeah. right? Or um, there'd be moments I went to like a speaking opportunity mm-hmm. and I would just have one of my girls come with yeah. me because I wanted them to see not just how I say I live, yeah. But how I actually yeah. live. I want to pause on that for just a second because yes. I think a lot of times we can feel like I, I'm thinking of the stay at home mom, maybe little yes. babies at home. It feels very stressful. That was kind of the day and age and season for me when Hannah right. and I started meeting <laughs> together. We can feel like we just don't have time to right. go out for coffee. We don't have time to go do this extra thing. You yes. don't have to do an extra thing. Yes. You bring someone into what you're doing. That may mean, hey, I'm going to Target right now with right. my three kids. It's going to be messy. <laughs> They're going to be crying. Like yes. it's going to kind of be a disaster. But come with me. That's right. And let's talk about life as we do that. That's right. Hey, you. I mean, Hannah knows. Like, come sit at my <laughs> kitchen table. My house is a mess. I'm in my pajamas. Maybe yep. I have coffee creamer. I don't know. But come <laughs> on. And and that's. I think we have to get past that. Yes. Discipleship needs to be outside of our regular life. It is part of what we're doing. You ju- like you said, you invite people to come follow you. All right, that's keep going, it. Hannah. That's it. And and truly, I was going to say next is I learned so much of that from you. Because you showed me what it looked like, again, for me to be welcomed into your normal life. And sometimes it was Target. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it was your messy kitchen table. And I love that there was Cheerios all over the floor. And you (laughs) still welcomed me into it. And then other times it was you were speaking at, you know, a local university Mm -hmm. for their chapel. And I would tag along with you, right? Mm -hmm. Like there was so much of the welcoming into your life. 
Um, and I know that that shaped the way that I disciple as well. And so I think when we look at the example of Jesus, that's the same thing that he did. Yeah. He didn't just say, let's go out for coffee. Let's just grab a meal. He invited these disciples to walk alongside of him. That's good. I also want to touch on this idea that discipleship, I believe that works best, is a long-term commitment. So good. Yep. And that's really unpopular to say, especially in this generation. Yeah. Gen Z and millennials don't like to commit to anything that's very long. <laughs> right. And yet, looking b- back, I had the opportunity to disciple my girls now for eight years. Amazing. They were my junior bridesmaids in my wedding. That was really precious. She did have how many <laughs> How many of these junior eight, of them. Br- eight junior bridesmaids in Hannah's wedding that she's been discipling for eight years yes. now. Pretty incredible. It was so special and I truly am so grateful that that vision was cast to me as a 17 year old and there's just something that you can't you can't um, you can't like speed up the process of somebody trusting you that's right and so I was talking with one of them recently and she said um, you know, I really tried to push you away in middle school. And I said, I know you were <laughs> awful to me. But she said, you kept showing up mm. for some reason. You didn't give up on me for some reason. You were there time and time and time again. Yeah, it's good. And so because of that, then I had years after that where she trusted me to disciple her. Yep. And so I think you can't outsource it. It's not an option, really. It's yeah. a commandment. Biblical mandate. It's a biblical yep. mandate. And it takes time. Yeah. And so give it time, give it space, and commit to it for the long term. Yeah, that's really good. Hannah, Hannah, with another just 30 seconds or so, for someone who might be like, okay, I hear you. God, yes. call me to mentor. Yes. Then what? What yes. do you do? Yes. I would say look for somebody a little bit behind you. Mm-hmm. And again, if you are a stay-at-home mom and you see a young 20-something girl that comes to your church and yeah. she's in a local college, just invite her over for lunch one day. Perfect. Right? Or if you are the young professional who sees that other guy in the workplace and you think he might love Jesus because he kind of leans that way or yeah. kind of says something, just say, hey, do you want to grab coffee one day? Mm. That's all. Or even if you live in an apartment and you pass somebody in the hall and they don't, you don't think they know Jesus yet, but they could and yeah. they seem to really be drawn to you. There's like a, a chemistry between you. Chemistry is real when it comes to discipleship. Mm-hmm. Just say, hey, do you want to go grab a grab a drink or go yep. go grab dinner and and just start the conversation. And sometimes discipleship is people that already love Jesus. And sometimes you're discipling people that don't know you are because yes. <laughs> they are not yet knowing That's Jesus. That's such a good point, yes. Hannah. Yes. Okay, this has been such an incredible conversation. Thanks so much, Hannah, for talking about mentorship and giving us all a vision for what mentorship could look like. Again, you can find out more about uh, becoming a mentor and even finding a mentor at generationdistinct.com. Right. You can also follow Generation Distinct on social media. Stick around. Hannah and I are going to talk about that st- Sticky, sticky topic (laughs) of being a woman in ministry leadership. You've been listening to The Common Good on AM 1160. Hope for your life. Well, hey, everybody. Welcome back to The Common Good on AM 1160. Hope for your life. My name is Aubrey Sampson and my regular co-host, Brian Fromm. You might be missing his voice. That's because he's been gone the past couple days. He's abandoned me and I don't know what to think about it. He's actually coming back tomorrow. We have a great show planned for you. But because he's been gone, I have gotten to spend today with my friend Hannah Granowski Barnett, newlywed, <laughs> young woman following after God, uh, leader, uh, co no, not co-founder, founder and CEO of Generation Distinct, which is an incredible ministry 
connected, empowering uh, the next generation. And you can find out more at Generation Distinct at GenerationDistinct.com or on social media. You can find out more about Hannah Granowski at Hannah Granowski Barnett. <laughs> where can they find and follow you? They can go to Hannah.Granowski or HannahGranowski.com as well. Okay. Are you going to change your last name to Barnett on social media? Yeah, at some point. That's tricky, isn't I it? Know, yep. I know. So tricky. We added the Barnett to like the pages. Okay, nice. Yeah. Nice. So Hannah, if you were wondering what we're talking about, Hannah and her husband Aaron just got married. It was a beautiful ceremony that Kevin and I got to be part of. They are an awesome young couple that mm-hmm. you need to be following and getting to know. Um, okay, Hannah. So you and I have had a lot of conversations about what it is to be a woman in ministry. Kevin and I co-planted Renewal Church together. I served there as a preaching and teaching pastor. I've been in ministry leadership a very long time. Hannah's been in ministry leadership a very long time. And you and I have had a lot of conversations about can women do this? Because there's a lot of voices in our lives, frankly, telling us that we can't, yes. that we shouldn't. Right. Uh, you know, I get messages every once in a while telling me that I'm the reason the church is falling apart. Right. I don't know if you've gotten that feedback, oh, yeah. too, but that's really fun. It's that's so fun. such a great part of life <laughs> when people feel like they can DM you those things. Um, but so I thought we would just get into the craziness that is what it is being a woman in church leadership. And by the way, nowhere else in the world is anyone having these conversations outside of the church. (laughs) Like there's no question if women should be in leadership or not. This is specifically a evangelical Western, mostly white conversation around women in church leadership. And um, it might even be a different conversation generationally, which I thought would be interesting for us to talk about too. Absolutely. So, okay, Hannah, when did you feel called to ministry? Let's talk there. And then did did you have any of your own hangups about being a woman and can I do this? Yes. So I have the honor um, that I was raised in a church that did celebrate um, women in leadership. Yeah. And that celebrated seeing women communicate and speak. And so that was normal to me. That's great. Um, however, I also um, was a part of the just general Christian community. And so I, I had plenty of also other circles in my life that taught me the opposite theology. Yeah. So I always kind of felt this tension. I was raised with a super powerful, influential leader of a mother. That yes, she gave were. me an yeah. amazing picture of what it looks like to be a female leader. But again, you can't really grow up in the American church without hearing the opposite theology. Yeah. And so I walked that line. And I can say as an 18-year-old, um, I had a lot of people say to me, you have a gift to communicate. Mm. You are anointed to speak. Yeah. I would get up and do announcements and people would say that was my favorite part of the service. <laughs> and again, that's not like to pat myself in the back. Right, right. I just was all of a sudden now forced into a moment where I had to decide yeah. what I believed theologically I was supposed to do yeah. this gift. And I want our listeners to hear that because there are a lot of women in church leadership who are allowed to do announcements. And, yes. and this is no small thing because yes. what you find in doing announcements, what sounds a little funny, is there will be people in your church that affirm those were the best announcements yeah. I ever heard. Yes. Or, whoa, wow, you yeah. know, something happened in the announcements. And for a yeah. lot of women in church, that's their moment when they go, oh, yeah. am I am I good at this? And you're just doing church announcements. I mean, it's kind of funny, but that tells you like, that's the small space that women have when I believe God wants to do a lot more than announcements with women. Okay, go ahead, Hannah. That's it. That's so good. And so my pastor at the time, John Peacock also saw this in me and and made a comment about me teaching and speaking. Mm -hmm. And I literally said back to him, I said, I don't know if I'm allowed to. 
Wow. I really didn't. Yeah. I just didn't know what to think at that point. And he responded and said, well, I would figure it out because I think you are and I think you have a voice. Wow. And so I remember going to you at your kitchen table (laughs) and saying, Aubrey, I think I'm called to this and I need, but I'm not somebody that will do this without theology behind it. Yeah, yeah. So help me understand, am I... I, I know that you do this. Mm-hmm. Help me understand the theological reasons behind why people believe that they're not supposed to be speaking yeah. and why they are. Yeah. And so you gave me so many resources. We talked through it. We read scripture together. Mm-hmm. We watched sermons about it. And I was able to then come to the conclusion that theologically, I do believe, obviously, that women can speak and preach and be leaders. In the yeah. Church. Yeah. And um, it was it was probably a couple year process. But once I once I believed it, I was you were all in. Yeah. And I, I think, you know, we have a lot of listeners who I'm sure are like, oh, I don't know if I think women can speak and preach in the yes. church. And there are good reasons for that. I mean, I think this is where yes. a lot of us have to be um, really mindful about this conversation. You can justify biblically because yes. of the words of Paul, women not preaching and teaching in church. You Absolutely. can. There yes. is a solid biblical argument for that. Absolutely. However, if you look at the entire breadth of scripture from Genesis to Revelation and you you um, compare Compare that to two verses that Paul gives us. You kind of go, oh, wait, maybe those are contextual. Maybe God is writing a different story than we think uh, he is about women. Maybe we see how God has used women throughout church history. And you go, oh, is there something else that God is saying? And I think listeners, for any of you who who might be curious, um, start with Jesus. Actually, start with the New Testament before Jesus is even born. Write down the name of every single woman in Scripture and then see how she was used by God. Yeah. See how Jesus interacted with her. You can actually do this throughout the entire Bible, yes. but it's it's good to start in the New Testament and then just begin to go, oh, God, maybe you're doing something with women that Come I on. didn't know that you were. That's right. So, Hannah, um, when you began to feel like, okay, God has called has call me to this and I can justify it yes. theologically, yes. then what? Did you have pushback from people or how did you kind of move forward? Yes. So I began to just look for opportunities to speak. And it was a really unique combination. And I, I mean, I'm still only 26, so this has been my only experience is that I'm a young blonde female preacher. <laughs> yeah. Like that's just a reality, right? right? Like I kind of look like I could be a 21 year old yeah. college. Student yeah. Even. yeah. And so I, I, I don't dress super professional. I yeah. wear sneakers yeah. and t-shirts a lot and ripped jeans. Right. And so I, but I knew that there was a place for me because I wanted to have seen that myself. Yeah. Like I wanted to have seen 23 year old females Preaching the house down, not because they were amazing, but because the Holy Spirit was within them. That's right. And here's something that I say all the time. There is no junior Holy Spirit. There you go. And so I just don't understand why people don't understand that age does not define call. Mm. Because if there's no junior Holy Spirit, if you can have the Holy Spirit within you, whether you're 20 or whether you're, you know, 120, yeah, yeah. like then, then why does that actually qualify you to preach, to yeah. lead, to yeah. speak? Right. Yeah. And so Great. I'm so grateful. And again, my story is I had people that believed in me yes. way before I was even um, sure that I believed in myself. Yeah. And so people gave me opportunity. And one of my favorite feedbacks that just confirmed this call in my life was I went to a university and spoke at their chapel. Mm-hmm. It was one of those people that just took a chance on me. Yeah, saw a couple of, like videos of me speaking online, 
hired me, brought me out. Nice. I was like, what am I doing? I think I was 22 at the time. <laughs> I love on, it. On like a university platform where I was the same age as some of the kids who were coming Amazing. to chapel that day. Yep. And I got off stage and I got a DM from a girl later that day. And she said, literally, she said, I've never seen a young woman preach in vans before. Mm. Like vans, the shoes. The shoes. Like the sneakers. Yeah. And she said, when I saw you, she said, I'm currently in like a major for pastoral leadership, but I've been really doubting myself. When mm-hmm. I saw you preach up there, I believed that I could do it. Too. Amen. Because you looked like me. Yeah. You dressed like me. Yeah. You're relevant like me. Yeah. And now I believe I can do that. Too. Yeah. So good. And so I think that's the beauty of what it means to be a woman in leadership, honestly, is that we get to break chains for the next generation. That's right. And yeah. that gets me so excited because, Aubrey, you've gone to churches where you were the first woman ever who preached. I know. I've and been to a lot of those churches. Right. Yep. You are blazed so many trails. Mm-hmm. And you just being a little bit ahead of me, I know my journey as a woman leader will be a little bit easier because of the work you've done. Yeah. And yeah. I just pray and hope that if I can continue to walk through some doors that nobody else have walked through before, that the generation even right. after me, it can be a little bit easier. That's so right. I think it gets ex- it can get really discouraging if we just view where we're at right now. It gets really exciting when we open up and see how far we've come and how yes. far we have yet to go. Yes. And so if we can see ourselves as linking arms as women. I love it. To carry forth the mission of God. I love And it. bring more and more freedom in every generation. I think that keeps me going. Oh, I love it, Hannah. That's that's such a good word. And pastors, leaders, church ministry leaders, I want you to hear the important part that you play in this journey for women. Because yes. I, I think sometimes... Um, we don't want to say we need men, but the reality is it, it has been men in church leadership that has given me opportunities, given Hannah opportunities, been faithful to, I mean, it feels like it shouldn't be a risk, but it's been a risk quote unquote. And because of that, I've been able to discover, um, Mm -hmm. not just my gifting, but like the movement of God in the world and been a part of that. And Hannah has done the same. So this is about more than just like, quote unquote, empowering women. This is literally about the kingdom of God going forward through his sons and his daughters and church leaders, men and women. You play a big part of that. Yeah, you play a big part of that. So Hannah, this has been a really good conversation. We could talk about this for hours. Lots of ugliness, but lots of beauty, too, because God is so faithful. We'll stick around. We're going to end our time together with Hannah by talking about her book, Generation Distinct. You're not going to want to miss it. You've been listening to AM 1160, Hope for Your Life, The Common Good. Hey, everyone, welcome back to The Common Good on this Thursday afternoon. I hope you haven't missed any of my amazing conversation with Hannah Gronowski Barnett and her husband, Aaron Barnett. If you have, you can always go back and find us on our podcast, The Common Good, wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe, rate, and review. You can find us on social media at Common Good Talk. You can also go to our website, 1160hope.com, and catch up on any episodes that you missed. Today has been a very, very good one. You are not going to want to miss it, so be sure to go back and listen, share with others, find and follow Hannah on social media, and um, yeah, just get to know them and their ministry in the world. God is doing incredible things through them in their community. So Hannah, um, for this last few minutes that we have together, I don't want to miss the fact that you're an author. You wrote <laughs> yeah. a book called Generation Distinct. What's the subtitle again? Discover the Wrong You Were Born to Make Right. Discover the Wrong You Were Born to Make Right, available wherever books are sold. Um, Hannah, I want to quote something to you. <laughs> this is fun about being an author. I, I get to that. quote you and then just have you respond to it. One of the things that you say in Generation Distinct is this. The most monumental moments of history can often be traced back to a small, passionate band of brothers and sisters who refused to allow the world to stay as it was. 
Can you explain that to us? You know, if we look back in how the world has moved forward, it doesn't usually move forward with people being content, mm. right? Or being being complacent or just being cool with how things have been. Yeah. The, it, it always requires some amount of discontent, some amount of um, like holy, holy risk. Good. Right. Yeah. And I mean, that's that's every movement from big evangelical movements to, you know, the the civil rights movement to the even the feminist movement. Like yep. every moment there had to be this push up. Right. Mm. Like this, this push up against where the word world currently was. Yeah. And it was like eventually the forces became too much that the walls came down and people marched through it. It's good. And I believe that's where we're at with the local church today. Hmm. And Aaron and I talk about this really often that we are at a turning point for the American church. Yeah. I mean, when 90 percent of Gen Z describe the church is hypocritical. 90%, 90% describe the church as hypocritical. It's a big number, you guys. Big number. 85% describe it as hypocritical. Mm. And one third of Gen Z, so look around at the high school, one third of them think the American church is characterized by moral failure and leadership. Yeah. So so we're at a, a turning point because what I often say is that it's not even just the fact that Gen Z believe this. Gen Z is growing up. Yeah. Gen Z is getting influence on social media. Yeah. Gen Z is graduating college and entering the workforce. Mm. Gen Z are actually getting married and having children of their own and mm. raising kids. Wow. Gen Z is actually casting a vote now for what they want to see mm. every four years. Yeah. Gen Z is marching down the streets of Washington, advocating for the kind of world they want to create. Mm. And you know what? Those people are characterized a disgust of the church. Wow. So what do we do with that? Yeah. We have to acknowledge that there's something that Gen Z is is really dis- discontent with in in regards to the local church. Yeah. And so we as people that love the local church and are in the local church and are leaders in the local church, mm-hmm. we have two options. We can either say they're wrong right. and we can lose them and lose the generation after them that they're leading. Mm. Or we can say what needs to change. Good question. And I just believe, again, the most monumental moments of history happen when a band of brothers and sisters come together and say, we're going to refuse to allow the world to stay as it was. We're coming out of a COVID-19 world. And a lot of more, um, I I see a lot of the older generation say, let's return back to normal. Let's return back to normal. I was just on the phone call with a young adult pastor at a church, and he was literally sharing to me, I'm so frustrated. Because I had all this strategy and plans for what we we're going to mm. do out of COVID. And all my church leadership will let me do is say, let's just go back to exactly what we were doing before. Wow. And he's so frustrated. Yeah. And that is the narrative I'm seeing in a lot of churches that are led by older leaders is they just want to go back to what it was. But the reality is, is that wasn't working either. Good point. So Hannah. this is an opportunity for us to say, let's be those bands of brothers and yeah. sisters who say, it's not going to be what it was before. Mm. And what I always say is, is why is that so scary? 
Great question. Right? Because in reality, I believe that Gen Z is actually hungry for the very same things that Peter and Andrew and the rest of the disciples right. were hungry for 2,000 years ago. That's right. Like, if you look at the heart cry of Gen Z, they love passion. They love risk. They love excitement. They love, like, mission. They love mm-hmm. justice. They yep. love unity. Yep. That's literally what Acts 2 describes as the first church. Yeah. And so I actually always pose to senior leaders, what if Gen Z isn't the greatest threat to the American church? What if, in fact, they are the greatest invitation to make a return back to what the American church was supposed to look like, which mm. is the Acts 2 church? Amen. So, so good. I believe that's that's what we have the opportunity to do right now yeah. if we choose to break through some walls. Yeah. Oh, Hannah, that's so good. So for church leaders listening right now, um, I, I'm struggling if I want you to talk to Gen Z or if I want you to talk to older generation. Let's try to do both. Okay. okay older generation than Gen Z and they're feeling that, right? Like they yes. want to go back to normal. They're they're kind of frustrated that Gen yes. Z is leaving. Yes. What words of encouragement would you say to them? What should they do? Get around the table with Gen Z. There you go. Don't try and figure it out. You don't have to. Yeah. The best senior leaders I see are those who get around a table with Gen Z and say, what are you hungry for? Mm. What are you looking for? I'm so curious. We want to serve you guys so well. And then when they tell you, don't tell them why it's not possible, <laughs> right? <laughs> and good. actually, you don't probably have to do any more work because Gen Z are self-starters. Yeah. Just say, hey, what if we gave you the resources to do it? Yeah. What if we unleashed your passion inside the local church? Or even if it was outside of your local church and your church won't get any applause or awareness because of it, mm. are you okay with that? And will you still empower Gen Z to go out and do it in the world? So good. Make your church a place where Gen Z comes, their passions are flamed, and they're sent out, even if it doesn't benefit your local love church. Love that, Hannah. I love that. That's such a servant attitude yes. that church leaders need to have. Okay, yes. Hannah, now the other side of the coin, Gen Z and younger, they're looking yes. at church leaders and they're like, I'm leaving the church. This yep. is not what the church should be. I'm frustrated. I see inauthenticity. I don't see integrity. All I can see is hypocrisy. Yes. What would you say to them? say be the change there you like, go do something different don't leave because if you actually believe in the local church i always i gave myself this label label i'm a young leader that stayed in the church like yeah, i'm kind of proud good. of it like yeah. hey i'm a young leader that stayed in the church yeah. and and what i can say is i've not always been excited about every single choice that the american church has made yeah in fact a lot of frustration but I know nothing changes if the people that are discontent leave. Yeah. And I want to see the local church expand. So if you're a, a Gen Zer who actually does love Jesus, then you'll want his his mission to expand in the earth. Mm. This is what he came to earth to start. Yeah. And so if he believed in it so much, there has to be beauty in it. Yeah. So let's be the people that stay in the church. Love it. That uncover its beauty Love and it. actually lead forward into a better kind of future. Love it. Oh, such a good word from Hannah Granowski Barnett. Hannah, where can our listeners find and follow you, find out more about your book? They can go to Hannah.Granowski on Instagram, HannahGranowski.com or GenerationSync.com. Hannah, it has been my pleasure to get to sit with you, my friend. This has been such an enjoyable day. It's been so fun. So thankful for your time. So thankful for your husband's time as well. For Hannah Granowski, I am Aubrey Sampson, and you've been listening to The Common Good on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life.